0: Welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and today I have artists, avant-garde artist really, a musician. Zurich, thanks for coming to The Sanctuary today. Thank you for having me, Israel. Yeah, no, thanks so much. Um, I know I had to move things around, so thanks for being so flexible. But let's get right into it. So, music, where did that come from? Like,
1: how did that start for you? I started singing when I was about two or three in church, and my dad was a music teacher. So we always had music in the house, and uh, I started piano lessons with him at five. And, you know, family teaching, family maybe not so good. So I started taking lessons with the nuns in Moncton, Notre Dame d'Acadie, a a really good uh, music school here in Moncton that was run by nuns. And um, in the meantime, we were singing gospel music as a family, touring churches in Atlantic Canada. And I was mocked very much at school for that.
0: <laughs> what? What?
1: Kids. Yeah. Oh, my God. Kids. Oh, yeah, kids. But uh, it was, you know, those were pretty formative years as a musician and a performer. So I'm, I'm grateful for them now. And then, mm-hmm. I had kind of an identity crisis when I was in grade six. I didn't want to do music anymore. I just wanted to be good at sports like the other boys, which I was terrible at. (laughs) That was never going to happen. But uh, it kind of broke my dad's heart and my music teacher's heart that I quit piano. But um, I always say to them, the best thing they could have done was to let me quit piano because if they had forced me, I would have resented it. And I think If music is in a kid, it's going to come out no matter what. So sure enough, when I was about 18, uh, I just had to start making my own music. And um, I I was pretty self-taught after that. And I started Zwerg when I was 18.
0: What was the push for you to start Zwerg?
1: Creative outlet. I was going to a Christian university, I was feeling all these things inside, dealing with being gay, but denying it and just feeling really repressed. And I just needed some kind of outlet for it all. So I found my way to the piano and um, started writing these really strange songs with lots of nonsense poetry. And uh, the first EP I made was called Sepsis, like pus, Mm septic. To kind of exercise all my demons Get all that gross stuff out So that I could feel freer and lighter Uh,
0: You know It's like name and and naming conventions Something that matters to you a lot What's the names work What's the the story behind the names
1: work It's German I was taking German at that school The Christian University And uh, I found the music was kind of Wussy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of like pretty piano and so i wanted to kind of contrast that with the kind of an edgier tougher name so i went through the ge- germans very very aggressive language sounding so i went through the dictionary and i, I found this word sterk in german sterk and it means a little person so, oh yeah so i thought i meant it more in terms of myths and legends the dwarves um, not little people, but uh, to be politically correct, I say little person. But it was more about uh, championing the underdog.
0: And like you, kind of saw your story reflected in that name.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, some of my ancestors were German Jews. We just found that out. That oh they wow! They were German, but we didn't know that they were Jews till we all started doing the DNA tests. Because my great-great-grandfather, when they were in America, they spoke English. And they didn't even talk about... The, and, you know, they could have been killed in his day for being Jewish. So nobody talked about being Jewish. But I think it's a really cool lineage to have now. Now that I know, I'm happy happy to be part Jew. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. So, you know, you created Zwerg. And, and how's the journey been so far? And what are some of the things you've created shudder's persona's work
1: well i've done i don't even know how many albums i've done over the years um but uh it's gone through lots of musical changes when it started out it was really just here i'm at my parents house now my house doesn't look this nice but uh, (laughs) (laughs) so i use my parents upright piano downstairs one mic that my dad got from from some school because he was a music teacher and a four track. And I did my first EP and my first album with that. And oh, okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the the legacy of Eric Strip from Moncton, Eric Strip, Elevator to Hell, all those bands, uh, sub pop bands. Um, they were all here in Moncton and I wanted to collaborate with them. So Rick White, the, the lead guy in Eric's Trip and Elevator to Hell. He, I took my piano and my vocals over to him in Riverview, and he added lots of kooky sounds and he did the mixing and added bass and drums. So it really ended up sounding kind of like, um, indie rock kind of garage piano music. <laughs> And then after that, I kind of lost my way a bit, I think. I decided I wanted to do some electronic stuff, and I went into synth pop before it was cool, and people just thought it sounded dated. (laughs) Nobody really liked it. (laughs) And and then um, it's gone through lots of changes ever since then.
0: So the other thing, I guess, that stands out for me when I'm I'm checking out your catalog is the music videos you make. So it's like you, you create music, but you're also visually pulled. Is, is that right? Or did I?
1: Yeah. For me, the visual is always just as important because it's, it's a sense that we have. And I, I feel it's just as important as the sonic sense. I know some music purists are kind of against music videos and image and stuff, but I love all that. I'm a gay boy. I love fashion and I love, you know, putting on a production and, and, uh, I love being suggestive, you know, you know how us gay boys are. So it's a wonderful outlet for that, too. Um, Yeah, so uh, every album and every video, now every single and video is an opportunity to kind of switch up your look and and try something new and creative.
0: And do you, I guess, work with someone for the costumes and the, the makeup?
1: No, I do that all that myself. I also do, uh, I do monster drag. So, yeah. costumes are for my sword character, who's a monster drag, creature drag character. And I actually have a drag family. I want to shout out, um, Disasterina in LA. She was, uh, I think top five of season two of Dragula. She's wow. my drag mom. And then her lady wife, Ave Rose, is a drag king, Sleazy Manzini. He's my drag dad. And then I also have a Brosis in Argentina. Shout out Prince Strawberry. So that's my little drag family. And uh, they've been really, really wonderful and supportive and uh, great mentors.
0: Wow. Wow. How, How did you meet them?
1: online (laughs) we started talking online and then on the phone and then you know it came to like sending each other christmas gifts and you know the the relationship i guess i just fostered the relationship where we all fostered the relationship from there
0: talk to me through like uh, what is the idea for or and then the process for making like the crown so i think is it half baits to think
1: oh half bolts
0: half bolts yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh the, the you know like the the makeup for the character and the like the crown thing yeah. how long does it take to make those things and like it's so
1: uh, intricate oh thank you yeah um i that's a good question cuz i've been asked that and i'm i'm not really sure i think it varies but i always have something on the mannequin that I'm working on. Um so I would say it usually takes a month or two to make one of those costumes the complete. Wow. And as you know with a creative project it's never finished. It's merely abandoned. So you <laughs> make changes and embellishments forever, but you gotta cut the string sometime. Mm, mm. So maybe a month, sometimes two months for a costume. I do I I work on them while I'm doing other things, you know, rehearsing. Yeah. Do- what was the last one you made? The last one I made was the, I call him the Cyberpunk Party Plankton. My brother kind of half named him. And uh, he's playing the New Wave Water Weirdo in Jerodactyl. the new video that I'm almost finished. The single's out now. And uh, it's about my brother. He's DJ Gerodactyl, he hosts Goth Nights here in Moncton. And some other places, and uh, the song's about him. And he's he's an abstract painter, so and he's very, does very colorful work. And his work is very influenced by undersea creatures. Oh, because they're, they're so cool, they look like aliens. Some of them. So that wow. was the inspiration for that look. Uh okay, so let's
0: talk about the music itself. I I know you know you have this musical background with your family and all that, but what is your process when you want to make music?
1: The process for making music, um, I think that well, I have lyrics. I ri- I write like poems. They used to have all these word books. Now I just do it on my laptop. But I'll have like I have the next album. I have all the lyrics written for it but I don't know what the, what. Meanwhile, I have all these riffs that I come up with. So it's about matching which riffs go with which lyric rhythmically and stuff. So, um, yeah, I have all kinds of, you know, I'll go down to the piano. I hear so sometimes, often I'll wake up and go down with something in my head that I dreamt and then try to get it on the dictaphone, on the piano. And then, so I've got a collection of those. And then it's just about combining which ones go with each other and which lyric works. And, of course, you have to kind of alter things sometimes to make them work. But that's how Mm. I I don't really, I don't think I've ever just sat down and written a whole song in one go. It's always been separate for me. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. And, um, I mean, you kind of, it's like a one-man band. Yeah. Uh, but do you ever collaborate with other artists? And if you do, how do you pick the artists that you work with?
1: Yeah, this new album, um, <laughs> excuse me, a lot of it was done with John Mullane from Halifax. I'm not sure if you're familiar with John. He had a band in Flight Safety. Um, He works with a lot of artists at Future Dad's studio, his studio there in, in Halifax. So he did most of the guitars and then there's another great guitarist here in New Brunswick. Actually, she was living P.E. Yeah, I'm not sure if she is still. Robin Ann Edels. She used to be in a band called Sol. So she's on there. Excuse me. And um, and then uh, for half of the album, the second half of the album, um, it's concept record. So it starts at Y2K, and each song is from a different decade. So as oh. we go back to the 50s I think starting at the 50s John Philip Chanel did the string and brass arrangements from the 50s to the 10s to the turn of the century ballad that we did we did an Irish ballad for um, 1900 and um, he's worked with Janet Jackson and Dionne Warwick and Five for Fighting and Bruce Hornsby he's Best known for working with Tori Amos doing all, all her string arrangements and brass arrangements. So and he's just a joy to work with. I call him Music Dad. <laughs> and I think that's everybody that's on this record. Now, I just got signed to a label. Oh wow, Congrats, congrats. Thank you. Dead Daisy Records, it's which is my the label that I've wanted for so long. Um, M Greiner, who's a music legend here in Canada she um, I had been working with her on a jacket actually and and I asked her I was at the mastering stage and I asked her if I could hire her just to get some of her feedback on the the eQ on the you key note because when you've listened to it hundred and seventy nine times you kind of lose your objectivity about it. Mm. She's got great ears. And I actually have some ear problems, so I really trust her ears. So I hired her, and as she was going through the song, she just started to really love the album. And, uh, yeah, she she took me on. So it's the whole album called The Centurion. It's coming out on Dead Daisy Records at some point. Why why The Centurion? The Centurion. It's a play on the word century. Oh and also kind of the gay theme there um, in the bible cuz having grown up very christian the the story of the centurion with the with the sick male servants who went to jesus and had such faith he knew that that jesus would heal this the servant but that there's things kind of lost in translation and it may have been that he was actually there was a sexual element to that relationship between oh, wow. So a lot of uh, fundamentalists don't like that and, and argue against that. But um, researching some of the, the, the linguists, their take on what was originally written, the words that were used, I think the word was pais, uh, it, it entailed kind of a, a little bit of a sexual connotation as well. So, mm-hmm. and Jesus healed him. So he wasn't judgmental if that's the case, and also Centurion Warrior um, and the, on the album art, I'm kind of dressed like a Centurion, kind of a modern take on a Centurion.
0: I'm guessing you also designed that too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you you actually, you know, you, you kind of referenced it a bit just talking about the title of your album, Centurion. Growing up in a religious family and, and like, you know, knowing you are gay and yeah. they can be very, uh, judgmental people in, uh, you know, fundamentalist Christian and some other religions, not just that specifically. How was that experience for you? How was it navigating that? Was it difficult? Like,
1: how it was, was it for you? It was internal hell in my brain because you're equated with murderers and child molesters. And, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not that. I don't want to be lumped in with them. And when I moved to Toronto in 2000 to act, um, I went to a Pentecostal church and it was very charismatic. And um, a lot of the spiritual stuff, I still believe. The, the stuff that happened and I did see some kind of miracles that happened that I have no explanation for. And I, I believe in spirit, but what I don't believe in is legalism in the church and judgment, which is so hypocritical. Um, I mean, now I probably wouldn't be accepted in that church because I'm living an openly gay lifestyle with my boyfriend So, of 14 years. So uh, anyway, one time I laid down on the floor and I prayed and fasted for three days that God would make me straight. And it didn't happen. So after that, I was just like, I'm just going to have to accept this. And now I'm very proud of it, and I wouldn't change it. I love it. I love being a gay man. It's great.
0: Was it, um, you know, difficult for loved ones?
1: Yeah, I didn't tell them until I was 29. I didn't come out to my family till I was 29. So, And uh, I had a bit of a mental breakdown when that happened. <laughs> and ended up in the psych ward. Wow. <laughs> that's, wow. A, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How was it for you?
0: I mean, I guess, um, how should I put this? So, my my approach is that people are going to always be people. And I, how should I put this? I'm trying to put this really nicely. (laughs) 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 But the thing is, people are always going to be people. And I can't, uh, okay, so it's like this. There are things I like that people hate, and then there are things people hate that I like, and that's just how I see it. So I just feel that if I'm okay with how I'm living my life and what works for me, then I'm okay with that. And the people that care about me, the people that love me, the people that understand me will accept me regardless, you know? And if they don't, that's also fine too. So that's just, yeah. Because, I mean, you can't, you, you get to a point where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to live for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, do you have a date when Centurion might come out or, or like a period? What's that? When
1: Centurion will be released? Oh, not sure. Because, um, as you know, like with Spotify now, you can kind of put a single out at a time. And do a campaign for each single. So, might even I'm thinking we might do a video for each song, release each song as a single, and then put an album out. M was telling me that the cycle of an album has kind of changed from what it was before. Maybe they'd put out a promo single and then the whole album would come out. But now people seem to put singles out, singles out, and then put out an album or or an EP or. Yeah, so um, when I have the money, I'm going to print it. So I'll have that to sell at live shows and stuff in and, and the mail if anybody wants one. But I think with Spotify and iTunes and stuff, I might still keep doing one single at a time because then you can have a whole promo process for each song. Mm. You have know, to disappear once you put the album out and then disappear and make another album. and Yeah, I, I like the new way. You can kind of <laughs> do one song and put it out You don't have to disappear while you're making an album. Mm,
0: mm, mm. Oh, man, I knew this was going to be an interesting conversation. I'm going to let you go, but not before I ask this question. So someone is out there, has inspiration to, you know, follow whatever their passion might be, maybe music in this case. You've built this career so far now. What advice would you share with this person?
1: I would say do what makes you happy and no matter how many times a door is slammed in your face, just keep going. If that's what makes you happy, knock on more doors and more doors and more doors and more doors. And eventually one's going to open. So yeah, I think um, if that's where your heart is and you're being true to yourself and honest about what makes you truly happy, um, then there'll be moments of discouragement, but um, you just got to keep going and you'll get
0: Keep there. going. I love that. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Rick. And again, thank you for being so flexible with your time. I really, really appreciate you. And I can't wait to listen for Centurion, to Centurion when it comes out or any single, whenever it comes out. Thank you, buddy. Great to
1: talk to you.